So we're not 20. That's hilarious. <laughs> this time you're not trying to climb in a window. I know. I seem to do much better when it's not my primary character. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two ones on damage, folks. And then um, pink does nothing because pink is a turtle. But then you take five points of necrotic damage from each of the creatures in front of you, and you get two unhappy faces. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna die! Me no feel good. Me okay. hate turtle. Kravash is like, I'm just thinking about turtles. Chapter 224, Flinging Turtles. Okay. So, in the last episode, you guys had um, gotten finally up to the veil of the, well, it was supposed to be Pegasus, but what did it turn out to be? Pegasus. It was yes. an unfortunate clerical error. Uh, well, it, you know, I don't see the issue. I ended up with the Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you have a fake pegasus it's a fakeasus well no it's a celestial it is an actual pegasus i think it can take whatever form it wants it just took the form it's like celestial play-doh it doesn't count <laughs> you're being elitist about pegasus he's, he's, he's got a pig with with fairy wings and he thinks he, uh, pegasus is a bad thing at least yeah. my pig with wings is real yes i do quite like the pegasus though Yes. Anyway, so yes, um, it turns out that you know, you know how like on Revolutionary War maps, uh, like the F's look like S's. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it seems like back in the day that they, the E's and the I's were awfully similar. And it turns out that, yeah, this was actually the Veil of the Pegasus. And you found these large, like eight foot long hogs that when they wanted to uh, would unfurl their gossamer dragonfly like wings and could fly around. And you were able to... Um, Go and tame the whole lot of them. So you all have a Pegasus, except for the one guy who has a Pegasus. Um, and of course, um, Jade Claw, our ranger, master of the mountains, was first on top of the uh, Pegasus, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, so uh, due to a series of, of very unfortunate roles, Jade ended up uh, being uh, last last in the air. But uh, Who was the first? I think it was our Dragonborn, wasn't it? Yeah, I do believe. And then it was yeah. me. And then me. Yeah. Yeah. So when we leave, do we pig out? Uh, you, yeah. Well, you just, you know, kick the old pigskin. And uh, anyway, so you did take off and you climbed up into the clouds and you found a castle on the clouds. And that's where we left it there. But we're not there anymore. Instead, we are back in Port of Magnum and we are with the Dragonborn. So as usual for um, this, when we switch characters, let's go around the room and list our characters and uh, their descriptions. So, Melanie, why don't you start us off here? Cool. Uh, I am Petrin, the bronze dragon born from the Snow Owl clan, uh, and I'm a rogue, and I go stab things. And what does uh, what does your kit, your uh, gear look like? What weapons and armor do you have? Um, I have basic leather armor, uh, um, sword sword bow uh some daggers and i picked up this really cool dragon tooth dagger which gives me a little uh extra 
stabby power. Yes, very, very apropos for a dragonborn to have the dragon tooth dagger. Real good. And it's uh, my baby tooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little tiny dagger. And then uh, actually it might be the baby tooth of a black dragon though, right? Because it does acid damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or brats. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, and Bryce, why don't you tell us about your dragonborn? I play Rogar, a brass dragonborn barbarian who wears um, less armor for effect and more armor for uh, appearance and is just good enough to deal with it. And then he has a uh, magic halberd. Although, ooh, do you want to say that? Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Okay. Very good. Andrew, tell us about your character. I play Heskin of the Wyvern clan, I believe it is. Um, my character is head to toe in chainmail. He wears, uh, he currently lost one of his last weapons, so he's replaced it with a matching set. So he now wields two axes and uh, one in each hand. He's uh, one of the younger dragonborns, more recently kind of taking life seriously, and has been handling uh, pretty successfully with his party in the last few outings. Real good. And what uh, what color dragonborn is he? Blue, I believe. Okay, yes. So a lightning dragonborn. Very good. And Matt, why don't you tell us about your character? So I am Kravash. I am a green dragonborn. I have a breastplate, which I've browned, so it goes very nicely with the green scales. Um, I'm highly charismatic. I can persuade elegantly. But my intelligence often has me persuading my my friends to to perhaps take an unwise path. Oh, and I'm a bard. Very good. And Jesse, why don't you tell us about your character there? Yeah, so I play Sora, a silver dragonborn ranger. Um, she recently acquired a very fancy longbow uh, that does a little extra damage. Um, she is outfitted in uh, sort of nice leather-worked armor um, and uh, takes her role as a hunter for her clan very seriously. Yes, indeed. Okay, so the last time that we had met the Dragonborn, they had just treated with the uh, White Dragon of the Mountains, uh, the great ancient White Dragon that was both at one point um, an object of worship of, of the Dragonborn clans, but also a thorn in their side, uh, being you know, a capricious and evil creature that was very greedy. It was constantly causing trouble on the periphery of the dragonborn nation as well as of course obviously being a object of their their worship being a, a full ancient white dragon and that had come off successfully would does anybody remember what the uh the successful end of your negotiations was all our magic items and i believe we had to provide some sort of meal to it once a week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so every week the clan has to provide a big elk or yeah. yeti or something very specifically volunteered myself which means i volunteered our party <laughs> yeah so yeah you guys have been very busy um once a week you struggle through the snow up there and it has gotten harder and harder and you realize that um probably the only people that will be able to actually achieve that is probably the cold base ones so the silvers and the whites um, in the near future and even then the white dragon might be snowed in and maybe you might have to renegotiate for it to come and get the food from you or something but that's logistics to be worried about later and of course you also had to go get uh, five sledges of gold or 
and um, it wasn't as nice as actual gold, like bricks and bars and coins and items, uh, but it was acceptable to the white dragon. And then um, you uh, were able to retire back to the uh, Winter Vale. Um, and that's when you got a summons from the matron mother who told you that Creval uh, needed a hunting party to act as guards for the wife of one of the party members uh, down in Porta Magnum. And uh, this obviously was met uh, not with great enthusiasm on your part uh, because uh, you had been in the mountains. Why did you want to go to the city? But, you know, this was a command from the matron mother. And um, Creval obviously is of high esteem to everybody. I mean, he's basically a folk hero at this point in time, having led the uh, Dragonborn nation to its uh, triumphal battle down uh, with Excolbarium Colise in, in, you know, assisting Porta Magnum and rising back to the heights of their martial fame as uh, great warriors. So uh, you uh, didn't, didn't want to turn this down, even though it was a, just a very bizarre request on the part of the matron mother. And so you set off for Porta Magnum down from the mountains. But before we go any farther with that, uh, we had a fun thing happen here in the studio. Uh, so uh, on Twitter, we actually won a contest uh, done by Dungeon Fox Chronicles at DungeonFox.com. And they sent us a couple of fun little prizes. So, uh, it was so cool. Yeah, one thing we got was this nice stitched uh, bag. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, with a big ampersand stitched on it. So that was pretty cool. And they sent us um, many thousands of gold pieces worth of gems. Okay, they're plastic, but they oh, really red. look cool. <laughs> nice. Sparkly. Yeah, and a new sleeve of dice for us to kill you with. And uh, Melanie, who's who's the dice manufacturer there at the top? Serious of... It looks like a serious dice. Oh, yes. Yep. Very serious. Yeah, so serious dice. Looks like serious of dice, but it's a yes. little symbol. And then just to add a little uh, frosting to the top of it, they also included a cute little origami fox. Because this is the Dungeon Fox Chronicles. That's awesome. Yeah, isn't that cute? <laughs> so yeah, so thank you very much to Dungeon yeah, Fox Chronicles for that. We, we never win anything, so that's pretty fantastic. And I'll be looking forward to using the dice to uh, kill the lot of you. These are sweet. I tell you what, if you use the dice to kill the rest of them, I'll take the gems. Okay. It's a deal. I'm thinking about just like handing them out to uh, the casters, the holy casters as uh, material components. So this is how many diamonds you have. Good idea. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's check out the Z20. Oh, 20. 20. <laughs> 20. Oh, I like this D20. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Close enough. Nice. Okay, good. Now keep rolling until it stops rolling 20, please. 20. 20. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So um, the party here had left the mountains. Now that we're back to the story. And they had journeyed down. And especially for uh, Sora... Um, this is um, always nice when you get to go down instead of up and you're into the the uh, the mountainous forest instead of going back up in the snow. Um, a lot of times there's more game going up, but and it's easier to track, but it's also harder on the uh, the constitution. You know, it's just it's getting snowier and it's getting more inhospitable. 
and uh, less uh, enjoyable as a hunter. Um, so you went down uh, the, uh, the mountainside and actually kept very much paralleled your uh, trek that you did when you went down to engage in the battle against Excalbarium Calise. And you ended up out in the hills above the Campo Magno, uh, very close to where you erupted uh, from the forest there to make your flanking attack. And then you ended up on the road. And that's sort of where things kind of um, went south. Not not uh, plan-wise, but it became more and more awkward. Um, certainly everybody now knows of the dragonborn from the heights, and they know that they are actual real things. Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that they're really comfortable with it. And so, uh, you know, you would, you would be hiking along and, you know, people would go by and you would see them kind of pointing and talking behind their hands and, and they would look kind of fearfully at you. It was a little off-putting. At, at the beginning, it was kind of nice because, yes, we are the fearsome warriors of the mountains, ha, ha, ha. But then after, you know, a full day of that, uh, the thrill kind of wore off and, and it actually just started wearing on you that everyone was so uh, fearful of, of you as, uh, as creatures and, you know, didn't actually look at you as individual people as well. And things got a little bit better as you approached Porta Magnum the next day. Um, a uh, group of people actually rode out uh, to three of them uh, in very fancy gear and uh, they were expecting you and they turned out that they were from Cotter's household and they immediately escorted you into the gates of Porta Magnum and all the way up and this is where it became even more awkward for the lot of you because uh, you had seen Excalbarium Coles from a distance from the mountains you've never ever seen anything like Porta Magnum it is huge beyond imagination and it's just a giant edifice of stone and wood buildings and streets and the bottom several circles just stink um, you know of, of uh, garbage and refuse and the uh, smell of humans packed too closely together and then it almost became worse as you went up because as you got to the higher and higher circles now we had these beautiful manicured estates and it just felt even more alien to you from the mountains who had always lived close to the earth and close to nature and uh, you were led to one of the larger estates and for the first couple of days um, things were just really off um, the family tried to incorporate you as kind of members of the family. You know, they would have you in at dinner time and, and breakfast time and so forth. And uh, the meals were maybe the most awkward part. Uh, the uh, lowlanders kind of just eat in these dainty little bites. And um, they seem to have um, this formal process for actually eating meals and things like that. And, and uh, the fact that you didn't know what they were, you kind of felt out of place and you felt like they were kind of looking um, at you kind of a bit askance. Um, and so you were actually very relieved when after several days, um, the uh, wife there, Sinia, had uh, pulled you aside and, and actually sat down and asked you if you would be more comfortable um, not living in the house itself. 
uh, whether you'd be comfortable having one of the other uh, buildings on the property. And, and living in the house itself was also very awkward because you were in these fancy rooms with fluffy beds. And, you know, it was kind of luxurious to begin with, but also it was very, very alien for people that had, you know, lived mainly on, on uh, homemade, homespun items. And so, uh, yeah, you, you just, it just sort of kind of really helped emphasize how out of place you were there. So, uh, yeah, you were actually quite happy uh, to uh, be given this thing. And so they had a kind of a rough um, shed shack area off to the side that was actually pretty spacious. It, it might have been maybe a woodshed at one point in time or maybe even a farrier's hut. Um, it, and it fit the, uh, the lot of you quite nicely. Uh, but um, it also wasn't too ostentation and fancy. And, and you guys were able to just kind of pack some hammocks and uh, sleep in those. And that felt much more like your beds back home. And uh, so you were, uh, you were much, much happier moving into the rougher uh, confines of, of the shed out there. And yet you were still close at hand in case they needed the uh, muscle of the dragonborn to be bent onto something. And um, you did uh, notice, however, of course, whenever uh, Sinia or any of the family members went out that uh, one or all of you were requested to go along with. And uh, that, once again, made you feel awkward, but at the same time, very powerful, because if the Dragonborn Brigade was with one of the, the Fraser household as they were going about, uh, you would get a wide berth in the market or in the streets or wherever you go. And um, so it was, once again, very, very awkward, but at the same time, very empowering, because you realized that you were uh, a force to be reckoned with as far as anyone else was concerned. And you guys were only in town about a day when you realized why it was that you even needed to be there because there was um, yet another report of undead waylaying people, this time in the, the, in the fourth circle in the middle of the night. And uh, so they uh, emphasized to you why you had to be there. Okay, very good. So there you are. You're, you're off in the, the, the shed. And... Uh, you're taking a little relaxation time. Um, uh, so one of the neat things, though, that happened um, is at dinner last night, um, Sinia, in gratitude for uh, the uh, help that you've been giving them, actually went and apparently procured magic items, which, you know, a magic item for a dragonborn is something that is handed down generation to generation um you know it's not like you can find any new ones you know maybe once in a while somebody comes across one in an old ruin or something like that but apparently they in this huge metropolis that is porta magnum they actually have stores that will sell them and uh, cinia was able to procure them so why don't we go around the table real quick and list what it is melanie you already listed what your character has uh why don't you give it to us again uh the dragon tooth dagger uh plus one to damage and attack rolls and it deals an extra 1d6 acid damage yes so that's pretty cool and then bryce i got a uh, plus two halberd very good and drew she gave me a pair of boots that will make me move faster when i need to and make it harder to hit me if i have to run away yes and um then matt I have a glaive that can uh, cause its blade to burst into flame. Fantastic. So you got a flame glaive then. Yes. Very good. And uh, then, uh, Jesse, what does Sora get? 
have a very intricately carved, um, expertly made plus two longbow. Yes. So you you lost your longbow, your family's longbow in in the uh, yeah. dragon encounter. Used it as a bribe. <laughs> yes, as a bargaining chip. And but Sinia uh, was able to replace one with it's actually even better. So very good. Okay. So um, there you are, and you are all uh, taking it easy in the shed there. Uh, you you know escorted the family to the market and back and things like that today. And you got a little bit of leisure time here. And everybody roll for me a perception check. Uh, natural 20, 25. Okay. Four. Nope. 14. <laughs> 15. Five. So Kravash, as usual, was just kind of practicing his drum rolls and couldn't hear anything in particular. I was distracted by something wavy on one of the buildings <laughs> yep but uh anyways it doesn't really matter because rogar your keen barbarian ears um are able to pick up the sounds of some sort of commotion happening and it sounds like it's happening near the front gate i'll alert the group say something's up and try to get people going that way i'll rush over Okay. I, I will look. rush over, and as I do so, I activate the flame. Okay, so you step out of the door <laughs> and put the flame <gasps> on the flame blade yes. and start heading for the front gate at tip-top speed. And, of course, the front gate at the Fraser household is like a good quarter of a mile away. I mean, they're, they, as we've said, the, the estates in the first circle are kind of like one of the chateaus in France or one of the... Uh, you know, the uh, great uh, grand estates with all the manicured gardens and everything like that. And even from a distance, you can't help but notice that, yeah, there is some sort of conflict happening at the front gate. And there was actually a number of guards at the gate. Um, and you took your own turns occasionally being guards at the front gate. Um, and they are tussling with s several humanoid figures. That's all you can tell from this distance. And you just notice that the guards are falling one by one and in rapid succession and as you come running up the whatever these humanoids are they go and they just shove the gates bodily open and there are three of them there and they're coming through the gate and so um you guys are coming running up and they've dispatched the guards at the gate and are starting to push their way through so uh, we move up here, and why doesn't everybody roll for me initiative? So Perrin. 15. Oh. Very good. And um, uh, then Rogar. 11. Okay. And then Heskin. 19. Very good. And um, then Kravash. That's you. <laughs> One. Ah. Ah. Notice how I delayed because yes. I have the low initiative. Yep. And Sora. Eight. Okay. Very good. Okay. So you guys come running up. And how far away are you currently now that you've actually got a good gander at them? Uh, the closest one is 60 feet from okay. where we are. Very good. Okay. So we start out with Heskin. Heskin, what are you going to do? I think. Uh... Try out these boots for size, so I'll, you know, knock them together or have it click the boots, as it were, to increase my walking speed. And then I will 
Is that is that like a long street that, that they're that coming is, up? That is the Grand Avenue um, that leads into the Fraser Estate, and they're coming through the uh, gates there from the roadway in front of the uh, Fraser household itself. So you can see kind of the 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 pillars on either side and the in the wall there. So they're they're okay. Big lawns on either side. Then. Exactly. Yeah. Nice manicured okay. gardens with tro topiary and and lawns. Yes. How many how many spaces between us and them? Uh, there's sixty from here to that front one. Um, okay. And so I'm, for you, a little bit more, I'm, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't really want to engage them by myself just yet, so I like to move up thirty five feet. Okay. Straightforward or onto the main. Uh... Oh, into the main thoroughfare. Okay. Becoming hopefully what will be a tip of a spear type deal. So to keep me closer to the avenue. One more, thank you. And then I'll hold my, I guess, hold my action until to swipe at this guy until he gets closer. Okay, so you're just gonna run right up there in the middle in the front of them, uh, like you said, be the tip of the spear. And so you're one, two, three, four, five. You're 25 feet away from the uh, the front one there. And it's very interesting what happens to you. You run up there, and as you um, are in those last five feet you feel yourself running forward you feel like this unnatural almost sickening feeling as you approach them there's no visible force there's no cloud there's no rays there's no uh you know beams or auras but something is terribly off about these individuals and you take five points of necrotic damage and as you get closer, you realize that, um, you know, whatever they are, they walked in kind of this stilted, jerky manner, and they're shrouded in these cloaks. So you can't even see what uh, what is going on there. Okay. And then... I'm sorry, there is something I could do. Uh, from there, can I just breath weapon the one in front of me? You bet. Um, that'll be a dex save for you. Okay. And it's dex save is a grand total of eight. <laughs> so it didn't see that so coming. It'll take seven points of lightning damage. Okay, so... Not not the best damage roll. Yeah. And what color is that one in the middle? Uh, blue. Blue. So blue takes seven points of damage. Okay. And that is what type of damage again? Lightning. Lightning, okay. And so the lightning strikes it there, um, Heskin, and it doesn't even seem to affect it. So these are certainly some sort of magical creatures. Okay, and then um, the uh, one on the right side, what color is that? Yeah, purple. purple, okay. So purple then gets to go, um, and it moves forward 30 feet. So it doesn't have to do that. Yeah, I guess 30 feet goes right up next to, um, so it'll stop one more. It'll only go to 25 then. Subs right up next to you there, Heskin, and it swings a fist. And as it does it, its cowl on its cloak falls back. And you're looking at this hideous creature. Its skin is this charcoaly black color, but its face is this horrible distortion. It, it seems like the eyes have fallen back into the head. Uh, so it just has folds of skin and the mouth and the nose seem to have joined in one giant opening in the front 
And it's just some horrid abomination. Who knows if it was something that at one point was alive or not. But it uh, tries to swing at you. And it gets a 19 to hit you. Good enough. Okay. So it does four points of bludgeoning damage. But then you also take nine points of necrotic damage as it's just sort of sucks the life out of you with whatever horrid uh, effect this thing has. Huh. Okay. And then um, next up is Perrin. Who's Perrin? What is it? Petrin? Petrin. 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 <laughs> next up is Petrin. Whoop. No, we didn't, we didn't kill him yet. <laughs> stab him or I could not I am if I shoot him right now would I get sneak attack yes because yeah. it's engaged with uh, with Heskin alright I'm going to run up to him go right in front of him there yes and I'm going to sink my dragon tooth dagger into him woot no 13 okay 13 does not hit just kind of scrapes across his carpus and, and goes wide. Anything else? Don't think there's much else I could do. Okay. So you find the same sort of feeling as you approach. This sort of sickening feeling almost feels like the life is being sucked out of you. And you take 10 points of necrotic damage. Ouch. Okay. Oh, and I didn't mention this is happening right at sunset. And so the sun has just gone down. It's just a little bit of twilight. It just makes things even creepier to have this happening now. And okay. none of us have dark vision, so that's fun. Yes. <laughs> and then... I'm sure there are lights, right? In... Yeah, yeah. There, there are definitely <laughs> illuminations all over the place, you know, in, in, um, that illuminate the, uh, the garden areas okay, and but things like that. it just casts very creepy shadows. But yes, it just, that just even makes the shadows even worse. But. Okay, and then blue gets to go and it runs forward. And attempts to uh, strike Heskin with a fist as well. This time only getting a 14 to hit. Does that hit you, Heskin? That one I'm able to dodge. Okay, so you just block that one aside, which is very good. And then Rogar. All right. Um, what was the range at which the aura was bad? Or again? Um, so you haven't experienced it yourself, so you don't know. Oh, I haven't noticed that, like, okay, I will run forward then. Okay. And stand behind uh, one to the left of that. Oh, so right behind Heskin? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Do I feel bad? And you do feel that <laughs> sickening, just pretty much as soon as you start running forward, you feel this sickening feeling, and then it just keeps getting worse and worse as you get closer. Okay. And then I will attack, or I will rage. Okay. And I will attack the uh, middle person. Okay, so you're going to attack blue? Yep. Okay, swing away. My first attack is uh, 25 to hit. It definitely hits. And that's 15 points of damage. Okay, and is this a magical weapon you have? Yes? The it halberd? is a magical weapon. Okay, so 15 points to blue. Okay. Yes. Okay. Second attack. Uh, that's a uh, 28. 28 definitely hits. And that's um, 10 points of damage. 
Okay. And yes, so then you connect uh, with your strikes and slash it pretty good. Um, and uh, then you actually end up taking 10 points of necrotic damage as well. Oof. Ouchie. And, okay. and um, yeah, I don't know if your rage will help you with that or not. I don't think necrotic damage is one of the resistances. Yeah, for sure it's just the normal weapon. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just the totem barbarians that get resistance to everything. Yeah. Because they're jerks. <laughs> Ruin all my fun. But they're here. Okay. So next up is pink. And it runs forward. Right up next to um yeah, uh, Heskin there. So it can go after you, Rogar. And it attempts to hit you with its fist as well and it gets a 13 to hit does that hit you that does not okay so you're able to fend off its attack and then next up is sora excellent okay so uh first as undead are my favorite enemy and i have mm -hmm. a feeling that these are undead uh can i figure out exactly what these are um yeah so what do you have a, a, a way of doing that or just you want to do a straight up either religion it's just, check or... It's just in, I get advantage on intelligence checks okay. to recall information. Okay, good. Undead. So yeah, do us a straight up intelligence check then. 18. Okay. And this uh, realization causes you some serious um, apprehension because you recognize the one whose uh, cowl fell back as being a bodak. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. So these are definitely horrific items of undead. And we have not encountered these before, have we? Personally, no. Okay. You've only heard about I... them in Tales. Right. Okay. So then uh, I'll just shout out, these are some especially nasty ones, guys. And then I'm going to run about there. So way off to the left there. Yes. So you're what, about 20 feet away from pink? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to shoot pink. Uh, would I have advantage on that shot or would it have seen me going that way? Um, you're not directly behind, so you'll get okay. a, you won't get advantage, but okay, no problem. Mm -hmm. Um, so oh, that's actually that's a plus 10 because I have archery. <laughs> Refamiliarizing yourself with a character after a bit is is weird. Um, Ooh, nat 20. That's okay, good. Okay, <laughs> so you are able to plug it directly. All right, and so we're going to go with D8. Oh, that, oh so two. Uh, so, wow, okay. Uh, so 11 points of damage to pink. Okay. Um, and then with my Horde Breaker ability, I'm going to also make an attack against blue. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, for a 24. 24 definitely hits. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, six points of damage to blue. Okay. Um, and then my second attack, I'm going to shoot pink again. Also oh a nat gosh. 20. That's wow. hilarious. <laughs> and this time, you're not trying to climb in a window. I know. Something. I seem to do much better when it's not my primary character. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two ones on damage, folks. <laughs> Maybe a little off-put by the terrible necrotic aura uh, around them. Yeah, okay. So another seven points of damage to pink Okay. in a very uh, anticlimactic critical hit. Yeah, it's still pretty good. <laughs> okay, so you, yeah, you dinged it up pretty well then. Okay, and uh, finally, um, Kermosh. First thing I do... Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, how far away is um, 
is uh, Sora from the farthest one over there. Farthest one? Mm-hmm. About 30-ish. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you just feel this horrible, sickening aura as you get closer to them, and you take 15 points of necrotic damage. Oh my gosh, why? <laughs> That's so many. Ouch. Yes. Okay, and Kravash. So I point to Hessian, right? The Heskin, yeah. Heskin. The, the and I, I simply fighter. say, you fight good. And you get a D8 bardic inspiration that you can use on attack, damage, saves, whatever you want. It's like the, um, that, oh gosh, that robot movie. That that wasn't helpful. Terminator? <laughs> no. No? Um, never mind. Big, that was my bonus action. Big Robot 5 or whatever it was. Big Hero no. 5. Wally? No, the uh, uh, God, not the friendly giant, like uh. the the Iron Giant. Oh, the yeah. Iron Giant. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that then I, movie. I yeah. point to Pink and mm-hmm. I say, "You turtle now," and I cast Polymorph. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> can you do that? Both of those things? I guess you can do both those yeah, things. Yeah, that's yeah, an action in one. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and it must make a Wisdom saving throw Ooh. or be turned into a turtle. Okay, well, that's an interesting change. Like of a big events. turtle or like a little turtle, turtle, like a little river turtle that I would have seen. Okay. So seeing if it's got anything. Nope, nothing seems to be that it could offend itself off with. So Kravash is like, I'm just thinking about turtles. Its wisdom like is turtles. a four. A-o. And turns into a turtle. Beep. Okay, so yeah, put them. And then I eagerly will run up to join the fray. Okay. And as you run up, you also uh, experience that sickening sense, and you take 10 points of necrotic damage as you approach. <laughs> Me no feel good. Me okay. hate turtle. And top of the round, and Heskin, you just had a creature turn into a turtle next to you. So I will uh, ignore the turtle, and I will swing into the one right in front of me. Uh-huh, yep. Into blue. With, my, with blue, yes. Mm-hmm. Blue it is. Uh, that would be a 22. That would uh, definitely hit. Okay. Um, I'd like to expend a superiority die to use a trip attack on him. Oh, okay. So um, take that off. That's a strength save for him. Okay. And his strength save is an 8. Okay, so he is knocked prone. Okay, so you sweep the leg. All right, so I get to add the D8 damage. So I'm going to add the D8 damage from uh, the Bardic Inspiration and from the Trip Attack to the damage. Nice. Uh, so that'll be a total of 19 points of slashing damage. Okay, that's a big chunk there. And then I'm just going to start wailing into this thing that's now currently on the ground. So not great. You get advantage, though. Yeah, 14 for the first one. Um, 14 does not hit. Okay. He's able to block the it aside. One, second one is a non-nat 20. That would hit. Okay. And that'll be for 11 points of damage. Okay. Um, as my bonus action, I will swing again. Mm-hmm. 26. Yep, definitely for seven points of damage okay and then i will action surge and swing two more times 
Wow. So you just go full <laughs> Cuisinart on him. Yep. 24 points of damage. Uh, 24 to hit, you mean? Yep. I'm sorry, 24 to hit. Yes, sir. Yep, that definitely hits. Uh, 10 points of damage. Okay. And the sec second strike uh, is a 14 again, so that's going to miss. Okay. And, um, yeah, that one uh, just goes a little bit wide. And uh, you actually lop one of its arms off, and it's looking real shaky right now. Real shaky. I mean, it's, it just you you just uh, you know cut whole sections of its body off, and this, it's got this horrible stench of decay and death around it. And that's okay. that one. Yep. Okay, and you take ten points of necrotic damage. What are you at currently, anyways? Uh, not quite half. Okay. Very good. And then um, purple gets to go, and then um, Petrin, you just ran up there. It drops its hood back, and you see this horrible, undead, tortured, twisted face, and it just gazes right into your eyes. And you must make for me a constitution save. It always go well. It's a four. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, I'm gonna die. And, and <laughs> you die. Um, so, so you drop to zero hit points. You just see Perrin just gazing into this thing, and just this look of horror, and she just collapses to the floor. You are at zero hit points. That was unexpected. Okay. I feel like I've been here before. In, like, any fight I do. Okay. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, unexpected. Okay. So, uh, next up actually is Perrin. So Petrin. Petrin, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Next up is Petrin. And, um, you must make for me a death saving throw. Ten. So you would get a happy face. But then you take... Five points of necrotic damage from each of the creatures in front of you, and you get two unhappy faces. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna die. So you're at what negative ten now, and falling, and two unhappy faces. That's not nice. It's okay. I'll help. Okay. Um, so that was an interesting turn of events, um, and then uh, next up is uh, Blue, who jumps back to its feet. And it gazes deep into your eyes there, Heskin, and uses its death gaze on you. And I need a constitution saving throw from you. 25. Okay. So you save and... I'm sorry, 23. You still save. So okay. uh, you are able to fend off of that uh, death gaze, but then it swings an attack at you with its fist. Um, this time getting a nat one, though. So it uh, overextended as it jumped up. So... At reaction, mm -hmm. fighter uh, spending superior die, I will use repost and get a reactionary swing back at him. Okay, be reactionary. Reaction attacks are always nice. 18? 18 does hit. Wait, so that'll be 20 points of slashing damage back Whoa. at his face. Okay, and you just take its head clean off and its body crumples to the ground. Okay. And uh, then next up on the hit parade is Rogar. Um, you've got a turtle next to you, and um, you've got some creature that just reduced 
Petrin to uh, a mass on the floor, what are you going to do? Um, if I grab Petrin and pull them back, uh, is that will they get opportunity attacked? Um, actually, you would get opportunity attacked as you exposed yourself to. Uh, Why would I? Um, ba- so you're basically oh. going to have to go into Petrin's square to grab mm-hmm. her. So you and you're exposing yourself to uh, their attack. So you would get a uh, an opportunity okay. attack. Um, do you think I could just? Do we have a healer in the group? Yeah, me. We do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also the bard. Yeah. I mean, he's not entirely useless. No. <laughs> I guess I will attack them. Turtle. <laughs> you. That was pretty helpful. Yeah, I will yeah. attack um, Pink. So you run around and go after uh, Purple there? No, I stand right there. I stand right there. Mm-hmm. You can still reach, yeah. And I attack twice. The first one will be Reckless. Okay. So if someone manages to attack me, they will get advantage in it for the next turn. But my... That is a non-natural 20 to hit. That would definitely hit. That is um, 14 points of damage. Okay. Second attack is a 28. Yeah. 26 to hit. And four, 10 points of damage. Okay. That's the first and, two times that one's been hit, so it's still standing, but uh, definitely damaged. Yeah, and that's my turn. Okay. And you take five points of necrotic damage. All right. Okay. And then um, pink does nothing because pink is a turtle. And then next up is Sora. Okay, I'm going to use my full movement to get right next to Petrin. Okay. Um, and I will cast, kind of kneel down and cast Cure Wounds on her. The second level. So you get back, oop, that's not excellent, but you get back nine hit points. That's better than nothing. <laughs> That'll keep her up around. So you wake up on the ground and you feel awful. Uh, and then immediately take that many points of necrotic damage. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's it. Okay, good. And Kravash. So. Oh, and you take five points of damage. Oh, yeah, okay. So I, I don't like this turtle. And I don't <laughs> like these things. So as I'm moving around to try to do a flank attack on purple there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to scoop up the turtle and make a thrown attack and chuck the turtle at purple. Okay. <laughs> as an improvised weapon. Sounds good. And actually, what breaks polymorph anyways? When uh, it has to drop to zero hit points in the new form. Okay. And then it goes... Uh, actually, does it also get to make wisdom save every round? Is no. That a thing? No. Okay. It just has... It, it lasts an it hour just lasts or until, until it loses yeah. that many hit points, whatever the new yeah. form's hit points. So I'm going to chuck it. And I don't have proficiency in throwing turtles, yep. but I can use my strength bonus, I think. If only you spend more time playing Mario Kart. <laughs> that would be a 14 with the turtle. Okay, no, it just goes flinging on by <laughs> and goes sailing over his shoulder and ends up out in the lawn out there. Over here? Yeah. And um, as so I, it's, I'm going to say it's going to go about 10 feet or so. I mean, how far can you throw yeah. a there. little turtle? It doesn't have a lot of mass. And then I'm finishing my movement. And it's going to take... It has like one HP. Two hit points of damage as it clunks onto the pavement in a rather abrupt fashion. And with a scowl. And I'm let's gonna... see how many points of, of uh, hit points a turtle would have. 
It would have two hit points. Okay, so it drops to zero hit points and it reforms. Would it be knocked prone, though? I think so. Yeah. Okay, well. The good news, though, is if it's on its back, it can still get upright, unlike the turtle. Mm -hmm. So so with the scowl, I'm, I'm moving around to purple. And I will take a swing at my f- with my flame glaive at it because I get two attacks. Okay. And you're going to say something there, Heskin? I was applauding Nat's role, or Matt's role-playing. Yeah, yes. yeah. Because that is exactly what uh, Kravash would do. <laughs> I don't like the turtle. <laughs> I know I like you. So I take a vicious swing, advantagely. Oh. Okay. Uh, that would be a 16. You do hit. Okay, so now I get 1d10 plus 2d6, because I lit it up earlier. I'm going to stand up and die again. So that is 11 point of slashing damage. Okay. And the full 12 points of fire damage. Okay. Very good. Yeah, that just seemed to hurt him pretty good. Okay, and that's it. Do I take any... You take 10 points of necrotic damage. That's rude. Yes, they're rude creatures. Okay. So we go to the top of the order, and uh, Heskin, you get to lead us off there. Okay, I will spend a superiority die and try to do another trip attack on the Bodak we're currently beating on. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm using an app to roll dice here. One moment, please. There it is. So that's not going to be good enough. So I'm going to add another superiority die for precision attack. Where it's adding a D8 to it. That's going to be a total of 16. Okay, and 16 does hit, just barely. Oh, thank God. All right, cool. So that will be another strength save for this particular Bodok. Okay, I will use one of my new dice. And it gets a 20 with the new dice. So he is, he is not knocked prone, but he does 12 more points of damage. Okay, and once again, he you you knock off a part of his leg, and and it looks like he's barely standing. So, that's really good. Anything else? Uh, second attack is a twenty-five. Definitely hits. Uh, another sixteen. Okay. Damage. I'm sorry, not sixteen damage. Uh, thirteen damage. Okay, and that's enough to finish him off. You once again, you just stroke off the head, and it collapses to the ground. Okay, and I will stalk closer to the one that's currently prone that got tossed that used to be a turtle. Okay, right right up to it? Yep. Okay, good. Okay, anything else? Uh, no, sir, I've lost my entire turn. Okay, good. So, yeah, you... Um... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, I would. I would like to try... I'm sorry, that was my main attack, so I can bonus action. I will second wind. Okay. And Better be than sucking turn. wind. Uh, that'll be 13 points back to me. Very good. Okay, good. And you take five points of necrotic damage. It comes and it goes. This is yep. D&D. Yep, definitely. Okay, and um, then next up is Rogar. What are you going to do? I'm going to um, stand behind Heskin mm-hmm. and attack the guy on the ground lying down. Sounds is good. Isn't it my turn? I'm sorry, you're right. Um, yes, Excuse me. So, he- Rogar, hang on. And next up is Pe- is Petrin. I'm going to jump up. Okay. Don't look at their eyes. Uh, and then I'm going to march on over to him. Yeah. Don't run around behind. Uh, well, it's on the ground. There's no real behind, but you're yeah. on either side of him. And? 
I'm not dead yet, and I'm gonna stab him. Okay. And do I get advantage? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you get he's advantage because he's yeah. prone. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> uh, twenty-six to hit. Yes, yeah. definitely. Do I get sneak attack? Yes, because the uh, you've got uh, Heskin engaging already. Also, because you have advantage, you get sneak attack. True. Cool. Nice. Um, so my dagger does four, then it turns into 14, and then my sneak attack is 11, which is a total of 25. Yes. Excellent. Your math is excellent. (laughs) Very good. Okay. And then it's Rogar. All right. Oh, and take five points, Perrin. What do you got now? Petron. Sorry, Petron. Four. Four. (laughs) Five. I will run up behind Heskin, Mm -hmm. and I will make my attacks at the guy on the ground. Okay. So first attack is a 17. 17 does hit. Or 17 points of damage. Okay, and um, that is enough to finish it off. And you have this horrid, uh, you know, mouse-shaped corpse on the ground. Um, Petrin, you feel terrible. Uh, you feel like you've been through the ringer. And, and in fact, all of you feel pretty bad. Uh, Wait, sorry, again. is this one dead yet? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Petrin just feels extra bad. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you now all kind of understand the peril that you have been forced into. Mm. And uh, this is even worse than encountering the undead up there in the mountains. Weren't any of these up north? No. So or south? Maybe the cities are oh. uh, causing, um, you know, they're having worse things appear in the cities. Or maybe things have just ratcheted up. We'll just have to see. But anyways, the dust settles. Um a bunch of the guards from the inside the household come running out. And uh, Cinia, of course, is most grateful for you repelling the uh, invasion at the gate. And, and uh, the guards all go and, and start carrying, at, you know, for the uh, poor guards at the gate that had been slaughtered. And, of course, they were in the aura the whole time. So they are just dead, dead. In fact, their corpses seem to just have the life sucked out of them. Like they're, you know, had just been shriveled. And uh, it's... terrifying and horrific Um, but you retire back to the shed to uh, patch up and heal up and that's where we're going to stop today Okay, so um, the foes were Bodax, as we said, and I read about them and I studied their abilities and I had them all memorized. And then when the combat happened, I totally got their death gaze backwards. Uh, The death gaze is supposed to be used on another character's turn. Uh, So they should have been death gazing every time, well, up to three, that any of the PCs moved. 
but I got it backwards and that made things quite a bit easier, uh, or maybe not. Um, the idea on this one was to have one of the characters get death gaze down, which did happen there to to, uh, to poor uh, uh, Petrin. And uh, with the automatic necrotic damage that goes on, it nearly finished her off. We had this same scenario happen years ago, uh, back to Bryce, um, uh, back when he was still Alistair. And uh, his character went down in a Bodak gaze and realized that he could have ended up dying immediately. But thankfully, they brought him back before that could happen. But there we are. Either way, it was a pretty good combat. And the uh, fear of death was put into the Dragonborn. So um, will they face more foes as they guard the Fraser household? We'll have to wait for the next episode to find out. Until then, let us know what you think. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at poolmedia.podbean.com. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head.